Welcome to Satisfy. This is Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. You had to think about that for a second. <laughs> well, I was watching you. You weren't even paying attention. This is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. All right. We are awake. Awake. It's early, which we love the morning. It's so that works out normal. well. Yeah. Yeah. And we are, we're moving on in our Tulip series. Yeah, and we're ingesting caffeine as we speak, so it's oh. just going to get better, folks. What kind of coffee are we drinking? Um, actually, this is, okay, so this is really fortuitous because we're going to be talking to um, the headmaster of St. Stephen's Academy in a few podcasts from now, um, but... Shh, don't give the hints. Oh, sorry. Um, but uh, SSA, St. Stephen's Academy, has developed a coffee business. Seriously? Yeah. So there's school. The, the school. So like, do, do the kids? Is, so so actually, do they package yeah, and roast it at school? Kind of. Jeremy, like child labor. In essence, yes. Cool. Jeremy Jones uh, started the business class. So uh, well, via Travis. So Jeremy is leading a business class in which they, um, kind of from from beginning to end, have developed uh, a coffee roasting business where they sell beans and they sell K cups. Yeah. So this is like free advertising, SSA. Um, I, I, you know, if there happens to be any additional discounts to my children's tuition, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, the coffee. Are you? The coffee's really good. I, I'm. It's a lot better in this cup than in the other cup. Than in the other cup, yeah. So Bobby gave me a a, a to go cup with some rubber lid, and I'm pretty sure that. It smelled like lavender. There was something else in that cup like? before, and the rubber had like held on <laughs> to that to that taste. And the coffee was was really pretty terrible at that moment in my life. But now it is. It is wonderful. It is I'm coffee. I'm very happy it's with it. Coffee. So we are we did total depravity, yeah. and now we're moving on in our tulip uh, Calvin series, and we're doing unconditional election. Yes. So that's where we're going to start this morning. And uh, so, like we did with total depravity, we'll we'll explain what the other side is, uh, what the Arminian position is, and then we'll explain what the what the uh, Reform position is. So, the Arminian position uh, would say that God chose uh, God's choice of certain individuals for salvation before the foundations of the world was based upon His foreseeing that they would respond to His call. He selected only those whom he knew would of themselves freely believe the gospel. Election, therefore, was determined by or conditioned upon what man would do. The faith which God foresaw and upon which he based his choice was not given to the sinner by God, um, meaning it was not created, created by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, but resulted solely from man's will. Thus, the sinner's choice of Christ, not God's choice of the sinner, is the ultimate cause of salvation. And so to kind of just uh, explain that real quick, what they would say when they see the words uh, God foresaw or God predestined, they would interpret that as God looks forward into time and he sees that we choose him, and therefore, based upon our choosing him, he chooses us. So the ultimate grounds of our salvation would be in our choice, not God's choice. And then, of course, do you want to do the reform position? Sure. Uh, reform position. Uh, God's choice of certain individuals for salvation before the foundation of the world rested solely on his own sovereign will. His choice of particular sinners was not based on any foreseen response or obedience on their part, such as faith, repentance, etc. On the contrary, God grants faith and repentance to each individual whom he selected. These acts are the result, not the cause, of God's choice. Election, therefore, was not determined by or conditioned upon any virtuous quality or act foreseen in man. Those whom God sovereignly elected, he brings through the power of the Spirit to a willing acceptance of Christ. Thus, God's choice of the sinner, not the sinner's choice of Christ, is the ultimate cause of salvation. Awesome. So, 
the crux of the matter, did I choose God or did he choose me? Um, what is the basis of my salvation? And if you remember, when we're looking at total depravity, um, as, as, as we were looking at that doctrine, we said because we are totally depraved, we do not want God, we cannot want God, uh, we are hostile to God, we are enemies to God, and therefore, if, if somehow we are going to now love God, if we're going to desire him and worship him, there has to be a change within us. God must awaken us from our, our spiritual death and give us spiritual life. Uh, so that, that's the position that we believe Calvinism holds and we believe that the scripture holds. And their position would be, uh, their minion is that um, they believe that they were apart from being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, they're able to choose God. They believe that faith is their part of salvation, and which is then why uh, they're then basing the ultimate grounds of their salvation in their choosing God rather than God choosing them. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think that kind of summarizes at least the different positions when you're looking at election and predestination. And those are big words. I mean, when you start throwing those out to people, uh, I think people in the congregation, I mean, there's some people who love them. There's some people who just tracking, but there's some people who just kind of the hair stands up because they're not really sure what to do with that. Like, ah, oh, we're kind of in weird stuff now. And well, what's going to happen? This, this flies in the face of so much of Western thought and the, I mean, the freedom of the will. Yeah. Uh, that, that man is the captain of his own ship, that man determines his own destiny. Um, and looking, you know, let's go back to total depravity just, just for, for a minute. I mean, you define. We were there. I know. We Why were are we there. going back in the past? Because it's, uh, it, <laughs> tulip starts with a T, right? Uh, totally. And, and that's. And, but, but you look at why do we need to be chosen? Yeah. Why, why, is, why is, is it necessary that God is the actor? Um, why is it necessary that, that he is the one who draws? Yeah. That he is the one who compels us to come to him? Well, it's it's because we are in love with our self, our sinfulness. Um, in and of our own will, we wouldn't come. In fact, I think uh, um, it, was, it was Spurgeon who said, "You know, I'm convinced that God chose me before the foundations of the world, before I was born, because I, I, He wouldn't have reason to choose." Well, not that he'd have reason to choose him even before, but what he was saying was he, he wouldn't have more reason to choose me after, you know, after I've been born, after I've lived, after I've, I've continued to live in my sinfulness. Um, and I forgot the exact quote. Would, um, would you like me to read it? Would you read it? I have it actually right here. It's because Metters in his book, Humble Calvinism. Yes. Does he quote uh, it? Man, you know, Metters, it's a cool guy. He did a good job. I keep Get him on the book. show. Should we get uh, him on the podcast? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to vet him. I mean, is he <laughs> is he able to be with us? <laughs> yeah, we might need to. He's uh, I, I like what he writes. He's got good stuff. Uh, so wait, I just had that quote, and here it is. Uh, Spurgeon, as usual, hit the high note of this when he said, I believe the doctrine of election because I am quite sure that if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen him. And I am sure he chose me before I was born or else he never would have chosen me afterwards. And he must have elected me for unknown reasons for reasons unknown to me, for I never could find any reason in myself why he should have looked upon me with special love. Okay. Spurgeon just said it good. Yeah, he did. That dude, can we have him on the podcast? I mean, I might need some church history. Yeah, <laughs> we, <laughs> I believe there's something about necromancers and uh, necromancer. Uh, Is that not a nephilim type thing? That's something. That's something. Something different. Well, okay. So I look at all the, the the scripture that we listed out here, and what I realize is we didn't list any Old Testament scripture. 
too, in yeah. choosing. I mean, the, God is so consistent in his nature, in his person. I mean, think of, think of Abraham. What yeah. happened? Abraham was a moon worshiper. He wasn't seeking after God. He was a pagan. And, and we read that, I think it's like Joshua 4, or Judges 4, somewhere in there where it actually refers back to Abraham, yeah. um, and he was a pagan idol worshiper. He's a pagan idol worshiper. And if you read in Genesis, the, the way the language s- suggests is it's like grace appeared to Abraham, like God yeah. appeared, God came to him. Well, you're right, and there's tons of, of text in the Old Testament about how God has chosen Israel, like uh, Deuteronomy 10, mm-hmm. verse 14. Mm-hmm. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and to the heaven of heavens, the earth which all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers yes. and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Like regularly throughout the Old Testament, God points out, I chose you. And he'll say, it's not because you were the biggest nation. It's yeah. not because because you were lovely. I mean, he he over and over again makes the point that it had nothing to do with anything intrinsic within Israel, but simply by his by his grace. By his grace. Well, um, and, and what's great about that passage you just read, and, and um, we preached on it here uh, during Advent um, uh, this last December. Uh, he set his love yeah. on his people. He set his love on a people. Which is, let me give a shout out to another book. Uh, there's a book called Proof, Finding Freedom Through the Intoxicating Joy of Irresistible Grace mm-hmm. uh, by Daniel Montgomery and Timothy Jones. And man, they did a really good job writing it. And they kind of returned each of these points from total depravity, unconditional election, and all that. And like the one for unconditional election is outrageous grace. Hmm. Just the fact that God yeah. chose us. That The fact that God... That God gives grace to us who are completely unworthy, who have no desire of him at all. Um, Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just throughout the well, throughout the it, Old Testament. <clears throat> just God chose, God chose, God chose. And I think it's important that we see that it's, yes, he chose Israel as a nation, but there's also within him's choosing is individual choosing. And that's, I mean, even Paul, as, as he's speaking, um, I want to say, yeah, he's got to be in Romans, is not all Israel is Israel. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a choosing of, of a nation whom represented God in, and his ways and his law uh, uh, in, in the old covenant or, you know, but there is a also choosing of individuals that yeah. God upholds and sustains. Um, and and that's largely what we see in the new covenant because the nation, the people of God, are from every tribe, every tongue, every language, but they're composed, that, that people is composed of individuals. And, and maybe to back up just a second, well, I mean, what we're talking on, like what this... What this position is really touching on is going into the sovereignty of God. Um, And it is upholding that God is sovereign over every event, over every person, over everything that takes place in all of creation. There is nothing outside of his ordering, outside of his will, outside of his rule. Um, And so really, as you're going through... Calvinism, these points, all of them are about upholding the sovereignty of God. And that's something that we see kind of all throughout Scripture. Uh, I mean, we know we know texts like Psalm 135, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and the sea and all deeps. Uh, we know that it says that there's not what a bird, Matthew, I forget what it is, but well, there's not a... Not a bird falls to the ground without the Father's knowledge. Yeah, right. I mean, he, he knows these things and he, he feeds the birds. He, Matthew he, 6, he's the one who causes, you know, and, or provides the food and the rain for the birds and the flowers and clothes mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Like he takes care of everything in all creation. Well, and in Hebrews, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So... So uh, 
you know, there's he is a sovereign God. In Proverbs, he, what it talks about the the lot is cast, but he determines every roll of the mm-hmm, dice. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, in the king's heart. Yeah, it's like water in his hands. Hand, so I mean, he turns it where he will. And it's, King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yep. I mean, Daniel chapter four. I mean, here, here's a guy who who hates God, who does not give him any glory, and yet then at the end he he praises God that he is sovereign over all things. And and the sovereignty of God is what humbled uh, Nebuchadnezzar and has moved him to worship, which which is really what unconditional election is meant to do. It's not meant to divide us on, yeah. man, do we choose or who chose? But it's the fact that, <clears throat> that God gives grace to us when we, yeah. don't, when we don't want him. So can we spend a moment just letting Scripture confront this issue? Meaning, let's, can we read, let's read these passages that we have written down in the New Testament, beginning with Ephesians because here's the deal. The term election is in the Bible. Which is weird because there are some people that would deny that God elects and predestines. The, and you, you take and they'll say, No, I, I believe scripture. And then yeah. you take them to scripture and they're like, Well, these words are here, and then they they literally say, Well, I, I don't but believe they gotta that. mean something well, or they gotta mean something else, or or they uh, I mean, you have to do some backflips. You do because and 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 I here's what's funny is I mean some of them would say that about us, but well and that, th- I'm not just talking like Arminian there. I mean there's just yeah there's just people yep. who I've talked to who just the whole idea and I think you said it earlier the infringement on our will like yeah. we feel more comfortable with a God who won't invade our wills. Than with a God who will, and what I mean, I think what we stated in total depravity, and, and we'll state again here is, man, that's exactly the kind of God that we need, and what kind of God yeah. would we worship that is limited or unable to actually affect us and change us and to alter our free wills? Well, and and when you really understand how totally depraved you are, you understand how, how, how much it really, the onus is on God to save. And, and the joy the, in that. The, the salvation yeah. is of the Lord. I mean, that's heralded in the Bible too, right? Salvation is of our God. He is the God of salvation. He does the saving. He does the acting. He does the moving. Um, you, you see salvation wholly ascribed to him, Biblically, you don't see anything in the Bible that says, I took part and I did this. Right. Everything uh, is always everything contributed. Everything is to always his contributed. Power, his grace, yes. his mercy. So, so let's. Can, Why don't let's, you do Ephesians there? Let's read a few of these yeah. and just let's, let's just be confronted with Scripture. Now, and, and I think we need to say, like, we're reading these. Uh, we're reading these because, because it's Scripture and because we, want, we don't want anyone to believe. Anything that we talk about because we think it's a good idea, like like unconditional election isn't isn't the the right choice or the logical choice because we say so or because there's a system that it works within, but we believe that it is the uh, the clear teaching of scripture. I can't and just so, say because I said so. Believe this because I, I mean I do that with my children. Yeah, no, <laughs> could you imagine if like kidding, if like when you're preaching and you're and you because I said so because I said so like believe in Jesus because I said so okay I mean you know, we should try that why no, don't you try no, it this no, next no, week I, you let me know how that goes I will you know what though but if I do it I'm totally giving you all credit for it <laughs> and my people know you because you know oh, what yeah. most people uh, Bobby Gaither came and preached at my church the other day. A couple of weeks ago, I was in I was out of country, and so Bobby comes and and just so you know, Bobby, I still have people. Hey, hey, that Bobby guy that came, he was awesome. Can he come again? He was so good, man. He had us in stitches. Wow, he was funny. Wow, he preached the word. He was great. Like like they still talk about you. Um, yeah. Like yeah, my people don't talk about me that way. So like they're, they're still t- like I get texts, you know, midnight. 
Hey man, I, was, I woke up. I was thinking about this Bobby guy. Can he? Can that, he come that's back? That's not true. No, that's it is. True. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Maybe, maybe he'll come and preach. Isn't that fun though? Like, I, I, I love that. It's they a love joy. You. Well, it's a joy. I mean, our people know you too, right? I mean, you preached here once already, twice yeah, already. You never, twice. You've been never here twice. Invited me back. No, that's you've been cool. here twice. Have I? Yeah, I you preached preach once. No, you, pre- you preached twice. Pretty sure once. Okay, well, I have no idea. We'll, we'll make twice soon. All right, okay, let's, let's read scripture. I think so we're delayed the Ephesians. We, we have, we have. So Ephesians, Ephesians. This is just chapter one. I mean, where's chapter two, man? Um, Did you want to read the whole Bible? Uh, yes, let's just read the whole the whole Start entirety. Genesis of Ephesians. one. Okay, Ephesians 1. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop moving. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're using a shared document right now. Um, this is how Pastor in Hillsborough and a Pastor in Lacey can do this, and he keeps moving the document as I'm looking at it. You know, I was computer. noticing because you kept moving it on me. I'm like, why is this moving? I'm so, trying to Yeah, read. go for it. All right, uh, so. Okay, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Yeah. I, okay, so he chose us before the foundation before of the, world. the foundation of the world. So before, before the world was created. Before you and I, and, and so, were but even a thought. now, what's the purpose of writing it? So I, I think because yeah. c- there's going to be some people say, okay, but but God's looking forward into creation, mm-hmm. and so I, I would push back hard on that and say, is that the intent of? of the author as he writes this is he writing it so that we are we are looking down the corridors of time and now seeing that the reason God has chosen us is because we have chosen him is that the thrust of the text is that the way Paul is is no. writing this or, or is he saying look the grounds of your salvation is is in past eternity when nothing had been done, when everything was just in the mind of God in the sense of it had not been created. Well, and, and think of who he's writing to and when he's writing. Thought. Right? I mean, think of he's, he's writing to uh, a group of, uh, of Christians in first century Rome uh, as persecution ebbs and flows, right? But there's still persecution, both both from the Jews and then later the government. So he's he's writing to them to encourage them, right? Yeah. He's he's writing to comfort them. He's writing so so he's writing encouragement. Where today we, we look at you know the modern Western society would would think that that's an infringement upon my will. That's not encouraging. He's writing to encourage. Yeah. God has chosen you. Before the foundation, of you time. can stand he, firm because yeah, of this. There's, he loves you. In fact, your your his predetermining act to bring you to himself was done in love. Yeah, because he loved you. Like there's that relational knowing when you totally get to predest- predestined us for adoption. Like his choosing was never you know, just some abstract choosing. It, it was for a personal relationship, yeah. an intimate relationship as a father loves a child. And, and, here, and here's the thing. I, I've heard it said, God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't treat some people differently than he treats other people. That's not true. That's not true. I mean, God, God appeared to Abraham. Yeah. He, God set his love. He promised Abraham a son, a seed, right? Isaac, Jacob, and you look at Abraham, man. He, that guy, <laughs> that guy had some foibles. Like, Dude, it, how it, many times did he give his wife away? Yeah, he he tried to pawn his wife off a few times, and so weird. And it, yeah, uh, but but even I mean, look at the sin of our own heart. Totally. I mean, his why does God love him? Because he loves him. Yeah. And and there is a separation between God's people and the rest of the world. There absolutely is. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it with Israel. He he set apart and yet it his has people. nothing to do with that we had something good in no. us. It's not that 
that he looks and he has chosen the people who will form Israel or the church yeah. because because of color, because of race, because of anything like that. But simply, God has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And I think I mean, what I wish we could do just more and more is just be moved to humility because of that. Well, and I don't know that we went there last night. Our depravity, our depravity warrants the flood. It warrants condemnation. It warrants destruction. Like yeah. God was not unjust when he sent the flood. That was God's justice and, upon and, and the if, earth. And if we want to, you know, just along that vein, if we want to say, man, God's not going to interfere with our free will, then we all die in the wrath of God. Like the flood would be, yeah. you know, that prequel to really the lake or, of fire, which is where we will all go because none of us in our spiritual depravity actually want God because we're hostile to him. We're enemies of him. Well, well, even, I mean, okay, and maybe you know, we're getting off track at this point, but if, if, if we continue in the vein of God does not impose his will upon mankind, then how does he judge the earth? Yeah. He's got to come judge the earth. Yeah. And in judging the earth, he's imposing his will, saying, it is time, the time is over. I'm judging the earth. He's imposing his will. Let's do a, let's do a couple more texts. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been handed to, over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So, I mean, that's the only ones who come to know the Father, um, are those whom the Son has chosen to reveal the Father to. I mean, that's, those are, that's, so these that's are hard, texts yeah. that, we, that inform us. Um, let's do a couple more. I'll do, I'll do the Matthew, you do the John. For many are called, this is Matthew twenty two fourteen. for many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. Uh, and so that kind of goes into what we would say is there is this general call that is out there that, yes, all will believe, um, but only those who, re- who receive what we would then call, and we'll get into it, like irresistible grace, like that, that special electing call will actually come because in our depravity, we, we will not actually choose God. Well, and then John, I mean, the, all of John follows. I mean, you just you can't do read a John. study in John. You can't read John. And I mean, all that the Father gives me will come. Uh, only those who are drawn by the Father. And here's John 15. You know, he says to his disciples, you didn't choose me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I chose you. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 we were predestined in Christ. We were chosen in love in Christ, through Christ, for all things are from him and to him and through him. Jesus is part of the electing grace of God. I mean, it doesn't have to be red letter. But you man, know, you, all the scripture, scripture, you know, it's just, it doesn't get clear. And even as, as we, we read it now, I mean, there's just this. So, so what, it, what is to be the response of passages like this? I mean, it's, it's to move us to worship and to humility. It's to move us to, to awe of our God. That man that he chose us. And, and think about how, how particular his love is. Like what unconditional election and when we get to limited atonement, what these doctrines teach us is that God does not have some vague, um, just, um, uh, I'm not getting the word, but just some vague love in the sense that He's not actually thinking of people. It's just, I just love and we'll just see what happens. But, <laughs> but on the cross, Jesus is, you know, he does know who he has died for, yeah. those elect. And, and we do know, I mean, so when, when God before the foundations of the world, he's looking at Bobby going, man, Bobby, in all of his sins, in all of his depravity, yeah. I choose him. Yeah. It's looking at me and going, man, 
in his anger, in his lust, in all of this sin that characterizes him, I choose him. Um, Not because of anything good in me, but simply out of his grace, out of his mercy. Uh, And so what's neat is these doctrines show us that God's love is very personal, that it's not just some, God's not just so transcendent that we can't understand anything about him and that he doesn't, He's so big that he doesn't really know all the happenings of earth. But yet what we have in scripture is we have a transcendent God and an imminent God, meaning he's near us. He knows us. He sees us. And, and he's chosen to save. Let's throw, let's throw some more scripture here. Just, just because the Bible is so full, it's so replete with scripture that points at this. Uh, Romans 8. And we know that all things, and we know that, Sorry, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then here we go. For those whom he foreknew, which we have to define, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So first, we have to realize predestined means predetermined. Like there's, you just, you can't get around that. That is the definition of the word, to predetermine. Yeah. And and notice the predetermining is that we would be made like Jesus. Yeah. And like, and to go back to that Ephesians one, we were... uh, we were chosen in him before the foundational that we should be holy and blameless. Uh, one, one thing that, that this doctrine does, it shows us the purpose of God's choosing. Um, and, and it shows the, the, what the Christian life is to really look like. I mean, God has chosen us so that we'd look like his son, so that we'd be holy, so that we'd be blameless, so we'd live in a manner worthy of God, so that we'd live in a way that honors God, so that we'd look like Jesus. Um, That was the purpose of his choosing. His electing love is a transforming love that comes in us, that causes us to live in a way that honors him, that we have this new life, which is why we would say God's election is what precedes our faith, and, and our faith is based upon his election, not our faith, God looking down the corridors of time, is the basis of God electing us. So the foreknowing, and, and that's one of the ways that our Arminian brothers would, that this is how they would see this passage, that God foreknew our choices, foreknew our faith, foreknew that we would choose him, and based off of his knowing that we would choose him, he predestined. So he predetermined, but the, the word predetermined means predetermined. It means yeah, it's determined I, I feel before. Like, like you said it earlier, they're, they're doing some, some jumping through hoops. There's, and, 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 and let's say, let's say that they were able to, to make the, like a passage like Romans say that with the words for no. But then you go back to John. You go back to all these other passages. Is that going to align? It's not consistent with all those passages. It's not. And so even even if, which I don't believe it is, but even if you could say that this is how the way foreknow operates and, and this is what happens... And so if you come up to that, then you would have to take that position, hold it up against all these like other scriptures that yeah. we look at here and so many more and say, well, is that the thrust of the Bible? Is that the way it teaches? And we'd say, well, actually, no, it, it's not because everything is based upon God's sovereignty and him choosing apart from our wills. I mean, when you get into to like Romans 9, which I know is, is a, a lot of, Calvinist and we there. throw around that one a yep. lot, yep. but but you know Esau I hated Jacob I loved. The whole point is is talking about yeah. how God has chosen to give mercy so, and grace. And I think we need to we need to lean into the love part because yeah. I mean even look at here those whom He foreknew. Who did He foreknow? Those whom He had those whom He. Because remember, those whom he had chosen, those, those whom he sons, loves, to be to his be the son. bride of his son. There you go. And see, we're chosen for a purpose. Yeah. We, we, are, we are loved in a, in a way that 
that a groom loves his bride. We are loved because we, and, and what are we being, what is God doing as he's conforming us to the image of his son? Well, he's beautifying his bride. He's not marrying some nebulous bride. He's marrying a bride whom he knows. It's not, um, here's a funny story. Um, I had a young man in, uh, that was in college and, and we kind of, I kind of mentored him for a little while. And I, you'd see some of the funniest posts on Facebook from this guy. And one of them was like, I just love the idea of being in love. <laughs> he didn't have a girlfriend. I mean, but it was just his heart, <laughs> his heart is just gushing with love about being in love. Just the prospect of being in love. Yeah. God is not gushing about the prospect of being in love with some nebulous unknown bride. He sings and dances and l- over us and loves those whom he has called to himself. It, yeah. is a, it is a personal, known love for a personal, for, for known people. You know, and when you look at it that way, that the fact that God's saving a people to, to be his children, to be citizens in his kingdom, to the, be bride of his son, I mean, it, it does begin to help you see the electing, purpose of it that no it's not random no it's not based upon any other choice but his choice uh i mean you're right it's yeah well let's keep going because i think it it took a i just know for me it took a lot of scripture yeah for me to be confronted with i can't get away from this yeah like this is well you know and this, this is really is here in the bible and i can't and just, to go back uh just before we, we read another I mean, I don't. I don't want to say this like too strongly, but there's an arrogance. Well, I mean, I, I guess I do, kind of. But there's an arrogance to think that God bases His choice on me, like, like He's looking, yeah. and and I'm choosing Him. And that, that, that's why he's choosing me, which I, I'll say, and I know at some point we'll, we'll kind of talk about like the cage stage Calvinism. There's arrogance there too. Okay, right? totally. Like sin can pervert all doctrines yeah. in, in, in the way we handle them. And, and there's a lot of Calvinists who, man, who, who we feel so, I think that cage stage, and we'll, we'll define that later, but where these Calvinists sometimes, they get very zealous, and, and I think sometimes they're more zealous and more passionate um, about the articulation of these doctrines than they are of Christ. Um, but, but there is something that when we begin to see, man, it's all about God, it's all about His glory, and we want to make sure nothing infringes upon that. Uh, so I think that that's sometimes why Calvinists, we, we press so hard into those who deny these doctrines. Um, but there is, like, from the other position, or, or looking at the other position, there's an arrogance to think that that we have this ability to choose and that and that we're we're wanting God, and the reason we become His His children, His citizens, His bride, is because because ultimately of our choice, and that's why God has chosen us. Rather than to realize, no, I mean the only thing I deserve is God's wrath, but because of His grace, because of His mercy, because of God's electing love before the foundations of the world, before I had done anything on this earth, he had simply chosen to love me. I mean, that, that's, yeah, I think, that, that, that begins when you, rightly holding these doctrines, I think does produce a humility and an awe and a devotion to God that drives us to our knees. There's a, there's a transformation of character, of, of the heart that happens, at least that happened for me, when I rightly understood first my depravity and then God's electing grace. Yeah. Like, it, it isn't... This matters. And, and 
what was transforming is I finally realized that he loves me because of his character, not mine. He loves me because he loves me. And that's not going to change. You know, yeah. that's um, like, that's that, that consistent covenant love that we as humans all innately need. And we look for it in place. And we look for it in marriage and we look for it in friendship and we look for it. Every place that's going to fail, right? We look for it in, in humanity, uh, but the one place it doesn't fail is in him. Yeah. Um, it's his love. It's his choosing, electing love. And we see that in the doctrine of unconditional election. Um, hey, let's keep reading. Which one do you want to do? Uh, do, 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 do. Romans 9, you want to do that one? Yeah, we should do that one, but then, but I mean, that's, yeah, let's do that. And then let's, yeah, well, Romans 9 says, though, this is 9, 11 to 13, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the elder will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Uh, So there's a lot that we could say there. But just kind of going back into that verse 11, in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Um, well, and, and we should probably read the next couple of verses because I think, I think that gives some, you know, it's not there. Let me read them real quick. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. Because that's the question, right? I mean, that's, that's what Arminians would put forth. Well, that's unjust. Right. That God would love one person and hate another. Right. That's unjust. But Paul answers that question. What, what shall we say then? Is there injustice with God on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I think we forget that in our total depravity, in our depravity, we do not deserve God's mercy. Yeah. That's what makes it mercy. What do we deserve? Wrath. Wrath. Well, you know, and, and so like going into, and so Romans 9, it, it's, it's one of those, it's a hard passage. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to say, I mean, theologically, like exegetically in, in some ways, but, but just to comprehend, you know, because it, it's very humbling. You know, I think it's just, it's a shot to the pride that we are, we're talking about a God when we come into this scripture who who knows all things, rules all yeah. things, ordains all things. Um, this is not a God made in our image, but it's a God in which we're made in his image. Yeah. And we got to make sure we don't get that creator-creature uh, distinction confused because when we do, we begin to think he needs to act like us. That's, and I think so many of our analogies are we place... This is how we would act, so this is how God should act. Totally. When God, we talk we, about the way we love one another, like so many people say, I would not, you know, I would never let my, send my son to the cross to die for someone else. I can't believe in a God who would do that. As if our love yeah. is, is the determ- or if, if our the, love informs God on how to love. Yeah. 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 Or, I mean, and, and we should probably, re- I'm going to read that one last verse real quick. Um, so back to Romans 9, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Then he says this, so then it depends not on human will or exertion. Like, I mean, he, he, he lays it out. Yeah. It do, it do, your salvation doesn't depend on, your, on human will or an exertion, but on God who has mercy. Like, it's, it's wholly dependent upon a God who sees a world that is condemned already. And that's John 3. Yeah. The world's already condemned. You just got to keep three, reading. Three, three, John 3, 19. Like, I mean, just three more verses from everyone's favorite verse, which is my favorite verse, too. God so loved the world. But the world was... Is that con- your favorite verse? It's, I mean, it has to be. It has to be it one of them. It has to be? Yeah, I think so. Because it it, it is a... I mean, it, it's true. He's so loved. I mean, we we spent. Yeah. Um, if you, if you read any of Spurgeon's, Spurgeon did like seven or eight sermons just on that passage. Yeah, pretty good, huh? And I don't he, think I've read those. He just he he really dives deep into 
man, because he loved, he mm. gave. Uh, and and so before it was kind of one of those, ah, yeah, I mean, that's everybody's favorite verse. But you, if you really sit down and think about it. I mean, it's not a bad verse. It, it's pretty good. It's Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 one of. It's one of. Yeah, I know. It's hard. Whenever Whatever book I'm studying usually becomes my favorite book. And whatever passage I'm in usually becomes like one of my favorite passages. So it's just kind of funny. Uh, let's do another one. Second Timothy 1, nine, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Again, like the thrust of the text, uh, the, the way it's, it's written is so that we would understand that God's choosing God's election is apart from anything that we have done, but it's all based upon his grace and mercy. Um, Acts chapter 13, 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Uh, Roman, uh, Revelation 13, 8, all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Now that's an interesting one. I got, you know, I preached through Revelation not too long ago and getting to Revelation 13, all who dwell on the earth will worship it, meaning everyone worships the beast. That, that's what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. Except, and so who's this exception? Who's not going to worship the beast? It's these people who have their names written in a book. Well, what book is it? The book of life of the lamb who was slain. Well, when when was this book written? Before the foundation of the world. And when you go to Revelation, the whole purpose of the book is meant to, uh, what you were talking about earlier with Ephesians, is to persevere the church. It's to, it's to cause them to look at the persecution around us and rather than to fall in despair and hopelessness, to be able to know, look, we can stand firm. We, we can continue to trust in God, not because of our power, not because of our might, but because of our God who is with us, who is persevering us, who has chosen us, so that if we die, we know that we'll be in his presence because of his choosing us. And that's, that's what election does, it... It, it's meant to wrap us yeah. in this blanket in the arms of God and comfort us and and to strengthen us and to move us just to this worship, this confident worship in the sense of we know that we're his children. Well, and, and then just look at Ephesians 8, right? Or Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? By grace, through faith. And this is not your own doing. Your faith is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So the faith, the very faith that you have that saves you is a gift from God. God grants you, he gives you the faith to believe. Shane and Shane have a song like that, by the way. Do they? Give me the faith to believe. It's too early for me to sing. Um, it's it's always too early for me to sing. But well, and look at Philippians too. I mean, okay, so here's one of those things where I think we superimpose as humans the way we believe we should act, and we impose that upon God. Yeah. So we would say, or should I say, I've said this before, and in my pre John Calvin days, my pre Reformed days, God is not a gentleman. He would not impose his will, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he wouldn't enact his will on you. Well, then I work, look at things like uh, passages like uh, Philippians 2. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Yeah. God works in me to do what? To will. I, he, he works on my will. So, and, 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 which plays out in what I do. For what? For his good pleasure. So let's, uh, let's help people understand like, like how this plays out though. Um, I'm thinking of at least two ways. Uh, one, in evangelism. Two, in the way we love one another. Um, uh, but evangelism, um, 
Keep going. It's, it's predestination. It's election that gives us hope that, that there are people who are going to be saved. Um, now, there's a weird, strange, uh, you know, movement or, you know, doctrine, not doctrine, but perversion of teaching, the hyper-Calvinism. Hyper-Calvinism basically says that, well, you don't need to share the gospel with anyone because those who are elect are going to get saved anyway. And it's a little more nuanced than that, but that's kind of the, the basic of it. But nowhere do we see that in Scripture. Nowhere do we see, like, God's sovereignty then curtails human's responsibility. But rather what we see is because God is sovereign, we can be confident we have hope in acting. Uh, And so the good news is, is when we go share the gospel with other people, we know there will be fruit. Now, we don't know who will believe, but we know that God uses his word as a means to, to bring about faith and and so as it goes forth, people will believe. Um, so it gives us, it's not based upon my articulation of the gospel, my eloquence of the gospel, my giftedness with the gospel, my ability to convince people, yeah. or their education. You know, it has nothing to do with any of those things. But, it, but when we go to other parts of the world or across the street and we begin sharing the gospel, Either you're saying, man, I hope I really do a good job on this so that they actually finally understand Christianity and they will finally believe. Or we're going, God, I need you just to work through your word and awaken them. And I pray that, God, you just uh, bring them to you today, draw them to you. I mean, we're we're leaning on sovereignty in our our, uh, evangelism. evangelism. So. This is a, a doctrine, I think, that fuels missions because we know that there will be fruit. Like when we read in Revelation that there will be people of every tribe, tongue, nation, language around the throne, how? How is that going to take place? Because God has chosen before the foundations of the world these people. So we know when we go, and like I was just in India and Thailand, when we're in these other countries where the gospel has not been and we're re- talking to unreached people groups, we know there will be people who are saved. Now, maybe not at first. Maybe it'll be later. Maybe we go plant seeds. But these people, there will be some who are saved because God has chosen them. And so I think, I think that is one application of this. When we're going forth in, uh, in our evangelism, this doctrine fuels our evangelism. It fuels it because it places all the results upon God and on his grace and his mercy and not on my abilities. Uh, so I think that is, is one very helpful yeah. understanding. Yeah. Well, and I, I think back to uh, Together for the Gospel. So check it out, guys. Nick and I were at the same T4G conference. What year was that? 2012. Dude, so long Dude, ago. Dude, so long ago. And I am almost positive that I saw this handsome, dazzling <laughs> man in front of me. And I think we even talked a little in the bookstore. Um, and I think we even sat next to each other. Like on I the think f- I got your autograph. Uh, no, 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 autograph. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I was, okay, so if here's, the, if, if here's the platform, right, I was on the far right yeah, especially uh, for one of the last sessions, where well, when when J Pip, J Pip, when when Piper spoke, um, did he preach on Jude that one? I, I think so, maybe. But the one I really remember is David Platt. Yeah, we Platt's, should have him on here. We should. I'll, we'll call him up. I got uh, him on speed dial. Uh, divine sovereignty. This was Platt's uh, sermon. Divine sovereignty, the fuel of death-defying missions. Yeah, that's the fuel. So, so the Arminian position and, and and the the argument against election for the Arminian position is saying, well, if God has already chosen, then why go? If God has already chosen, He's already elected, then why share the gospel? Which, which again, before you, nowhere in Scripture no. do we see no. logic like it's not, that. Well, and, and so that's a logic being imposed upon it, it Scripture. Is. That and nowhere does Scripture and even being talk imposed about. upon Calvinists, right? Like be- we never talk like that either. No. Never do you have the Calvinist unless if you have a crazy, weird, well, strange hyper Calvinist. Which that's a perversion of teaching. It is a perversion. Yes, right. So what what Platt is saying is that divine sovereignty actually fuels 
our going. Totally. It fuels because why? Because we know that God has for himself people, individuals from every tribe, tongue, language. Yeah. Everyone, everywhere. They're God's people. It's for and here's the thing, it's for his glory, not ours. Yeah. He is the soul winner. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws, who points to salvation, who uh, well who does the work in the heart. And so that's it's that that that's not what I would say would be like one huge application of this doctrine is is how it plays out on the ground. Fuels our evangelism, gives us confidence and places all the results on God. And so that that is that, that's where this ground it hits the road, or this doctrine hits the road in many ways. I mean, we, we could also talk about how it plays out in our lives and, and, and other things. But I think also, uh, Metters did a good job on this. This doctrine helps us understand how we love one another. We love others not because we have, they have earned our affections, not because they are worthy, but out of grace mm-hmm. and mercy. Mm-hmm. This doctrine shapes our love into a cruciform love. Um, yeah. Which, which I just love, like, like this doctrine shows us how God loves us, that he loves us and he chose to give us love when we were unlovable. And so rather than, you know, making, you know, waiting for us to clean ourselves up to get worthy, that's when God loved us, when we're unworthy, which is, I mean, that's how we go and we're to demonstrate yeah. love at the workplace yeah. with our neighbors, yeah. I, even at church. When we're at church, I hear some people say, you know, those people just kind of rub me the wrong way. And it's like, well, hold on here. Let's think about <laughs> it. Those people were elected by God. Yeah. Just like you. And remember, you're all totally depraved. We, we're all totally depraved apart from God's grace. So yeah. it's God's grace that has transformed us, yep. that has made us into his bride, into yep. his children. Yep. So I get it. We have different personalities. I get it. We're not maybe all going to be like best friends, but God has shown us how we're to love those whom we don't agree with, whom, whom we have different personalities with. Or when we go overseas, and we're with hostile people groups that do not want to love Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to fellow uh, pastors in India who they regularly are facing death and persecution, yeah. and they go forth. What love are they showing? They're showing the Father's love and election, yeah. and that he loved yeah. when these people hated him, and that he gave grace to transform. And so this doctrine shapes and informs how we're to love others, how we love our spouses. Yeah. Do we love them when, when they only love us the right way? No, we love them even when they don't love us. Um, well, we should love them. Well, we, we should. <laughs> That's true. Well, and electing love is the only transforming love. Yeah. Because all other love, and I'm using my hands for quotes. That's good. Here, I'll do is, it too. Thanks. Love. If we do it at the same time, Thank people you. will see it. Yeah, they will. Um, is a response to performance. Yeah. I love you because you do this. For right. Me. I it's love a works you based. It's a transaction. Made, it's works based. I did this, therefore uh-huh. you do this. Yep. Um, which we are saying, well, we're not saying because it doesn't matter we're, what we no. say. What the Bible says, says, what scripture says, is election precedes all of our action, yeah. all yeah. of our faith, all of our belief. God's electing love is the foundation. Yeah. Of our belief and our transformation, yeah, what well, drives it, and and yeah. our, our our transformation into His character is because He elected us. He chose. In fact, us. I, I think he we need to spend us. a whole other time just talking about just holding just the application of it. But really, man, the purpose in our salvation, which is then why, why why is there discipline, church discipline? Yeah. Why do we come alongside each other? Why do we hold, why do we have accountability? Why do we press on people when, when we begin to fall and to stumble in sin? Because we're really calling people back to what God has called us to do and yeah. how he has loved us to live in holiness, to be blameless, to be conformed to the image of his son. Um, so that's, that's, I mean, there's so much more you could say, but yeah. that's, yeah. But we're we're at an hour. That's unconditional election. Yeah. Uh, Anything else to recap that? 
I mean, I think we could just probably keep going. So probably just pray it up. You're right. Okay. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and Father, we are humbled at the fact that you save. Mm-hmm. And God, that, that you are gracious and that you are merciful. And that, and that out of your compassion and your kindness and your patience, God, you have chosen to love uh, sinners, lost sinners in such a way that you would transform them and not just transform us so that we would be saved apart from you, but that we would be brought into relationship with you, that we'd be your children, that you'd be our father, that we'd be the bride, your, your son would be the groom, that we'd be the citizens in your kingdom. God, we praise you that, that your electing love God has been given to us. Um, And Lord, I pray that we would better understand this doctrine and that it would move us to humility, move us to worship, that it would not move us to arrogance, that it would not move us to, to simply be argumentative, that we would not try to bully people with theology, but that God, it would move us into humble, humble people who love you, who desire to communicate your love to others. God, help us to love as you have loved us. Help us to communicate, to demonstrate your love in the way we speak and the way we act. Father, we thank you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to Satisfied in Christ. You can find resources listed on today's podcast at www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That's dot L. I-F-E. We are on Podbean, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. You know what? I think if they're listening to us, they probably already know that. But what they don't know is that the bumper for today's podcast and last week's podcast was Mitch Marks. The man, the myth, the legend. That's right. We had a whole podcast that was basically devoted to Mitch. Yeah, we have like a man crush. We do. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but you know Mitch is a cool guy and that guy that guy loves Jesus and right, he, we're gonna put a whole new podcast right yes there. and he he rocked this bumper so, so we're, we're gonna give you a little extra long bumper yeah. here to listen to we're gonna, we're gonna let you just, hear this just, man's just simmer yes. simmer in the Mitch Marks music <laughs> <laughs>